welcome back to the MGE Table Talk. I am Terrence Turner. I greatly appreciate you tuning in, listening, however you're getting this. As I always say, you could really be doing anything with your time, but you chose to spend some of your time with us. So today on the podcast, uh, I have someone who I have the pleasure of being previously acquainted with. Um a busybody around the city um, from everything from business to politics to you know trying to um, inform people um, big big on uh, society I think just all things society um, trying to really educate people on how to better themselves Miss Tyra Banks how are you having doing? me I'm so excited to be here okay. I've been wanting you to do a podcast since like 2013 so <laughs> Well, you know, hate he, to say I told you this was a great idea. But. Oh, man, I was trying to stay behind the scenes, man. But, you know, there, there are things I got to kind of, you know, get out, I guess, every now and Absolutely. again. Absolutely. That's called being in your purpose. That's kind of a, a plug there, too, because, you know, you are the, the purpose-filled woman, I believe. Yes, sir. Yeah, purpose-filled woman, because you, you've written books as well. I forgot to add that, too. You're also an author as well, correct? Yeah, um, I'm trying to make sure I, I list everything because there are a lot of accomplishments that you've done. Thank you. I'm not leaving anything out, Emma. Oh, I've accomplished a lot, yes, but... <laughs> Look, she was like, no, if, that's just page. you would like page. to take over the show and talk about... <laughs> that's just page one. Okay, we got to get to page five. <laughs> but, yes, but, I mean, you're, you're a consultant. You know, you've had banks consulting. Um, you ventured into politics, business... Tell you know I'm I'm rattling on about your your accomplishments, but tell us you know what's the recent things that you're kind of plugged into. Man, I'm plugged into everything. The way I like to describe it is this: I'm passionate about building community. I feel like I was built for that. That's why God made me. I build community, and so all things that help to develop people. That's what I love to do. And so, uh, for example, I'm a financial coach. I'm licensed in securities, so I'm licensed in investments, licensed in insurance, love to go out and teach people and help coach and train people. Uh, I'm certified by the state to teach life insurance, so uh, I literally get on weekends uh, and teach. I have a YouTube channel where I train people who are getting into financial services because I believe that next to God, you know, uh, and I, I'm uh, stealing this quote from Kyle Temple, so I might be screwing this up. Kyle Temple III always says... We'll say you're going to uh, paraphrase. We're I'm going to paraphrase, paraphrase this. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, next to your religion, next to your spirituality, you know, finances is the second thing that impacts your daily quality of life, right? And I believe when it comes to building communities like economic development, uh, even hosting summer camps and things that keep kids off the street all the way up to who we elect to public office. All of it has to do with money and the financial empowerment of certain communities, right? We see certain communities in the United States get what they want accomplished. Right. They got the power of the green, right? They have the power of business. And so I love to empower people who have not been uh, financially empowered. I love to give them the gift of knowledge. And so I enjoy doing that. I enjoy coaching people. And so I coach and speak, uh, especially people who are authors and want to help others excel and live in their purpose. Uh, and people who have nonprofit and so if I would um, definitely say if you're a nonprofit, public service, any type of civic board that you sit on or politics, I enjoy coaching people in those spheres. And then lastly, consulting. Uh, so I'm uh, certified as a um, instructor for co-starters. And so I teach people how to build a business model and have actually coached businesses for 10 years now. So 
Okay. So I would okay. say anything that builds community, whether it's business, nonprofit, public service. Now, now, speaking of building community, so this is something that, you know, I've, I've, I've talked at nauseum about as far as, um, you know, what I see is, you know, you, you see the, the phrase on the word on the wall is you're either at the table or on the menu. And I feel like our community specifically always ends up on the menu. We, we never end up with a true place at the table, you know, um, just from your experience with being, um, you know, a financial advisor, things of that nature. Where do you see the whole like how how can we find an actual plan to to fix this issue because i feel like you know we we've been talking about it you know for decades absolutely and we and if we're recognizing that that's a big part of the problem is that we don't have access to a certain financial network whether it be knowledge of that or just access to it in general but how how do we go about actually just fixing that? I actually believe we've got to start with addressing systemic racism. So there, there are reasons why even once you understand how money works, you go to your bank and you still don't have access to it. There's reasons why uh, your color of your skin predetermines uh, a lot of in a lot of ways your access to capital and your access to a quality education and your network and so we we have to understand that systemic racism has impacted our community and our upward mobility and even once we are upwardly mobile right so i'm accomplished i have two degrees i've done six seven fellowships and internships right. and even once we are upwardly mobile and we have beaten the odds right why don't we still have the same outcomes as others that we see in our community? And so I believe that it, it starts there. Uh, I think, you know, if, if I was to rule the world tomorrow, I would start off with reparations. I would start off with a comprehensive education uh, for every child, man, woman, adult. I mean, if you're going to work in a corporation or uh, if you're going to own your own business, you've got to go through a real America education is what I would call it, mm -hmm. right? And we would talk about some of the injustices that have happened in our country uh, and the backstory on those things, not just for the black community, but for other other communities. If which, I was to rule the world tomorrow, which which I mean that and that you know that sounds great. I mean, I, and I think that we all, you know, us in our community, we we share that. You know, I mean, the the big one of the big things in the news now is critical race theory and how it's not being taught and how the pushback is. Basically, if you tell the truth, you make us look bad. Yes. It's not about, you know, we're not denying that any of this is true. The pushback is you're going to make us look bad. My my thing is, you know, if, if we are, you know, with anything with problem solving, you have to identify what the problem is first. So we've identified that it is systemic racism. We all agree on that. Everyone may not agree on that. You know, you have people who have you know, this silly idea that what happened in the past does not, for whatever reason, affect the present or the future. They think, oh, well, it's in the past. It, it's, it, it happened already. Yeah. And if you break your leg on Wednesday, on Sunday, guess what? It still hurts. Absolutely. You know, and there has to be a certain process. My thing is that I want to address is, okay, but what do, you know, once we've identified that it is systemic racism, what can we do? You know, to quote Dr. King, uh, you know, this is not something that the government can do for us. We have to do it on our own. So what can we do? Because I have I have a varied opinion on that. Let, let me tell you why. OK, there are certain uh, certain aspects of the do for itself model that I love. 
right? I'm a, I'm a small business owner. I went and got an education. That, I, I get that part, right? right? We all have to do that part. There's a, a second aspect of it. For example, because of institutional racism, mm-hmm. right? There are not a lot of black women that sit on bank boards to sit on the governing bodies that create um, what type of loan products are allowable, what credit ratings need to go with that. Heck, let's go look at how credit ratings are developed and what are the issues that certain communities face compared to others Mm -hmm. that determine what credit looks like. And so I say that to say, yes, I can do for self in one aspect, but how well my community operates, whether or not um, a bank will lend me some money or if there's even somebody on the board that can advocate that has li- has similar lived experience as me, all those things are outside of my sphere of influence and guess what? They impact my everyday life. And okay. so I do believe that there's a part of do for self that we absolutely, it makes a lot of sense, but uh, I, I, I put it this way. If you break your leg and you go to the hospital, you have insurance and all that, and you get to the hospital, and the doctor has not been taught very well, and his education, because we, we have proof of this, his textbooks and his education have some racial bias. He may not treat your pain well. He may say, oh, you'll be fine. Hold on a minute. Let me take care of these five other important people, right? And so unless we address the factors that also impact our lives. You know where I leave the doctor with that broken leg? I leave with subpar treatment. Mm-hmm. I, leave, I leave with a higher level of stress, which makes me more susceptible to other critical illnesses, right, which impact my life, which give me comorbidities, which lessen my ability to earn in the economy. And so all these things are really connected. And we, I, I believe we cheapen the issue when we treat them like they're not. We also, in my opinion, when we don't address the systemic root issues, we don't leverage our people power, right? And I'm going to give you an example of that. If you think about one of the works of the Black Panthers, they united communities that were experiencing similar life issues. That's people power, right? Right now, as a a black woman who grew up in Marrero, if I go talk to somebody that's growing up in the Appalachian Mountains, we can both talk about poor schools. We can both talk about lack of economic opportunity in terms of jobs in our community. We can speak the same language about a lot of stuff. And so I do believe that when we get to root issues, we leverage people power. And if there are skilled community organizers, and I I can say that this is critical, not community organizers that are going to say, rah, 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 let's march, but skilled community organizers that are going to say, and now we need to push people to call their senators for this bill. You know, House Bill XYZ is going to impact us this way. And and you say something extremely um, important that I think we have to highlight is leveraging the, the, the power that we do have and recognizing that power. So when I'm saying, you know, and, and when I when I threw the quote from Dr. King out as far as, you know, we can't depend on the government to do this, we have to do this on ourselves. That's not negating, mm-hmm. you know, the big picture. Absolutely. You know, as before I even threw the quote out, I said, we do recognize that this is going on. You know, there is, you know, s- systemic racism out there. But we're, I don't I don't think we're doing a good enough job, as you said, of, of leveraging the power that we have. So if we have enough people, you know, we we I think we do a better service to ourselves to start leaning more on that power. Yes. You know, yes, politics can play a part in it, but 
I think we have to be of the mindset of politics or no politics. This is what we're going to do if we have to combine our powers to, you know, to do X, Y and Z, then we're going to have to do it. If you look at, you know, the wealth gap, black people honestly were in a better position during segregation because out of necessity, we had our own. We, we had to have our own. Yeah. So we had to have we our own. We shopped with each other. We couldn't right. shop anywhere else. Right. We had to have our own dentist. We had to have our own doctors. We had to have our own, you know, bakeries, our own clothing stores. This is so I think when integration happened, we it was promoted to us incorrectly because you have people, you know, of our hue that feel like once you can do this at a predominantly white institution or go to this restaurant over here where a lot of white people frequent this place. I've made it. And, but with that mindset, we left all of our stuff behind, which is why we have a lot of dilapidated buildings. We have these businesses that were thriving at that time. But once another option opened up, we flooded to give them our money. And then our our base of operations dried up because the the money wasn't coming back to the other no, side of town. It wasn't. And, and I, we I, see that in economic development, right? right? We see, you know, a small business may open up uh, in a dilapidated part of town and we say, you know, that business can provide jobs and that's great that they're developing there, but if we can't get outside people outside of that one community to come and spend money there, it won't be able to grow to its potential. And I think we saw that on a large scale after segregation. You know, you make me think about something else that we need to leverage is politics. You say politics or no politics. We got to keep doing this work. I 100% agree with that. But I think if, if I were, again, if I were the leader of the black community, mm -hmm. I would say we need to focus on politics because public policy impacts our everyday life. And when we look at things like where levies are built, what uh, programs get funded, even things like who is at the top of the SBA and how they take the law that Congress passes and turn that into internal policies in the SBA, mm -hmm. right? Even down to that is impacted through politics. So do you, do you think, you know, and, and we bring up politics again, I've, I've, I've made no secret about how I feel about their, you know, their wrong people. Mm -hmm. I feel like there are unqualified people speaking on our behalf. And when I say unqualified, I mean, just like they're not well read on the topics. You can tell in interviews, um, they don't do the homework. They don't, they didn't really do the work, but they're in the rooms speaking on our behalf. And we, the, the, the larger scale ends up on the short end of the stick. As someone who has been close to politics, you know, you you were the legislative aide under the late Ronnie Edwards, correct? Yes. You've you've seen the the proximity of how things happen. In your opinion, do you feel like there are people who are in elected positions and not elected positions that, that have some type of pull? Do you think that these people are holding us back a bit? Hmm. It's interesting that you say it that way. I, I, I think back to um, I used to work for uh, Congresswoman Jan Schakowsky in Washington, D.C. And one of the things that I watched was that many of the people who were in elected office, they may not have previously been um, 
a council person first and then a senator next. And, you know, you just you had those people that did not, I would call it, come up through the ranks. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's kind of some good and bad to uh, not having been in politics for a very long time and not being steeped in that. So I hate to say I see it both ways. Well, I I, I think it's a case by case basis. Definitely. You know, because just because I don't have maybe the background in politics doesn't mean that I don't have the passion for people, the humble, I would say. Keyword, passion humility. for people. Yeah. Humility. And the humility to say, I don't know this topic. I need to be briefed on this topic. Mm-hmm. Let me call in my partners around this issue. Uh, and we see certain legislators, I would say, like uh, one person who I strongly admire, Senator Regina Barrow. She is really big on finding out the details on things. Councilwoman Ronnie Edwards, she, she might order it to be studied. She's going to go see right. what other uh, countries or cities have done this work before. And so I think there's something powerful about knowing the issue knowing the structure in which it operates, because I will say this, politics is leveled and layered, and it's not the easiest thing to It's not. And, 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 and when I say unqualified, it's not just about, you know, a, a, a lack of political experience either. It's a lack of experience with pretty much anything. You know, a lot of people who who veer off into politics, they have a background in law or something. You, we, we have to remember the people who are crafting laws— you know, it's good if they do have a background in law because they understand how to craft these things. Um, and not that it's a prerequisite, but I'm right, saying... because that's not necessarily public policy. No, it, it's not. and public policy aren't the same, so it's I not. agree but, with that. But, but what I'm saying is just, you know, what's the experience in general? You know, you have people who come up and, you know, their resume is dry, mm-hmm. you know, education-wise, work-wise, all of that. And then we're, we're pushing them in these positions of power. I, I, you know, I, I think that's wrong. I think that's how you get someone like a Donald Trump, you know, even though he has, you know, a resume in business. But if we look at his business record, he was a caricature of what a businessman actually was from New York. We forget, you know, just do a quick search on him. And, you know, he wasn't even, you know, liquid or anything like this. These were loans that he was basically living off of foreign loans at that. And then, you know, but he, he he's promoted as this businessman. He knows how to make a deal. I do believe that's why we have to have an educated electorate, right? An ignorant electorate is easy to manipulate. Right. And so unless we know how these things work, we can very easily fall into, I like this personality of this person uh, versus can they truly serve the interest that I need them to serve? Right. So that so that so that, that's what I mean when I say unqualified. I thought... I thought Trump was beyond unqualified to run for the highest office in the land. Has nothing to, you know, do with any kind of, you know, this before people branding him a racist and all of this. It's just the fact he's just not qualified to be there. He doesn't have the temperament to be there. He hasn't shown anywhere where he's actually qualified to be in that particular position. And I feel like we're we're, we're fawning over celebrity too much Absolutely. to where it, it's not. What's this person's background? Like you said, do they have do they even have a passion for people? You can be a businessman all your life and run for elected office and win if people can look at your record and see. Absolutely. You know, often when I'm talking to my nonprofit clients, they want this bigger social media following. They want uh, people to, to see them as leaders in solving these social issues. And one thing that I would say is that in a free society, when people can do what they want, 
you know, you're always going to have social issues to address, right? And so going after this idea of the most popular, the the um, celebrity grouping, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know. I think that that detracts from what are the real issues that we really have to address in our community and who are qualified, passionate, invested, uh, have shown a track record of doing that. Right. I, I, I had I had Desmond Barrow on, on the last episode. Um, you know, he's founder of NGP. Um, he, he does a lot of community work as well, too. Absolutely. Um, I dropped a few names on him because these are people who are kind of, you know, in the community and we're looking at. And I was talking to him about the narrative about um, how we have these people who are kind of coming up, so to say. And there's this narrative of old generation, new generation. Do you feel that that narrative is kind of going out of hand, too? Because he and I, you know, um, we we, we spoke, you know, at length about this. But I do want to get your take on it because you have the distinct pleasure of being someone who's been in business and who has, you know, been in politics, not only just in this state, but outside the state as well. Yeah, I think he's a. I think Desmian is a great example. Of course, I'm top admirer. I think he's amazing. Um, met him when he first wrote his book uh, and was out in the community doing empowerment sessions. I think you need young leaders like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you need young leaders like myself. Um, but I also believe that there is a golden opportunity for us to learn from the older leaders. And I'm saying older, and this is relative, because I think these people are technically young. Uh, but when you look at your Raymond Jetsons, um, Joe Delpitz, these people are still actively creating change in the community. And right. so uh, they're, they're amazing assets. And I, I believe that that rhetoric of the old people need to get out of the way I think that we lose something. We lose the ability to truly connect and build a bridge there. Now, I will say that I see a, a huge gap in our leaders reaching back. When I was younger, um, Cleo and Wilson Fields had summer camps and things like that. Right, you know, right. and, and not to take away from what they're currently doing, but to say my little brother. Uh, went, so my little brother and I are 17 years apart, one of them, um, 16 years apart. And they were still doing it. You know, I'm like a sister aunt. <laughs> You're crazy. <laughs> they were still doing it. They were still having summer camps and leadership experiences for kids when he came up and when I came up, mm-hmm. right? And so to me, that's longevity. That's investment in community. They were able to directly impact our lives as young people. And so I give you that example to say that's what our community needs more of. I don't need more representatives of, of us who are just talking or bullying people. We need more people who are invested. And I look at people like Dez and what he does with NGP. That has a ripple effect on community, right? You have not only them doing the empowerment sessions and how they're able to speak to young people, but then they can connect with those very same young people and offer jobs because they're building businesses. Exactly. And, and because they go and patronize businesses, now businesses in our North Baton Rouge community or all over Baton Rouge, I would say, now those businesses are scaling. They're able to donate the scholarships. Those very same businesses are able to turn around and offer jobs to young people. And so I believe that there's a ripple effect when we have leaders that are at that level. But I don't want it to... I don't want that rhetoric of the old people need to get out of the way for the young people to be active. I don't think that serves us as well because people like Diana and my last comment, Diana Payton and I both serve on East Baton Rouge Parish Housing Authority. Mm -hmm. We learned adaptive leadership and we were able to serve on the Housing Authority's board at a time when it was going through a serious issue and transition. 
Where do we learn adaptive leadership from? Raymond Jetson. So had we said, you know what, you need to get out of the way so we can be active, we would not have been equipped. We would not have been able to pull on his years of knowledge. He would not have put together a program for us if he was not invested in younger people. And if we were not humble enough to see the value of our elders, then we wouldn't have been able to pull on his 35, 37 years of service to our community. Yeah, well, and 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 I, I think that's that that's part of the point that I'm I'm making with that too. I think it's counterproductive. Definitely, it's counterproductive when you know you have the head of the NAACP, Eugene Collins, saying that you know people didn't support someone like Gary Chambers for his run for United States Congress, but he can't say why they didn't. And when the narrative is pushed that they didn't support the young black man because he was trying to do something. Or is it because people didn't see the qualifications? And that's what that that's my whole thing is let's look at what the person actually has accomplished, what they're doing. It's not about young versus old. And as back to your example with Donald Trump, as we can tell with with the general public, it doesn't necessarily matter. Right. Donald Trump won whether he won it the right way or not. He won some votes. Right. And he wasn't he wasn't skilled. And so we cannot always determine how people are going to vote and, and what people are going to do, even if they are met with the qualifications, even if they sit down across from somebody with the qualifications. Right. So yeah. I'm, that's why I'm asking. Do you think that that's counterproductive for even the head of the NAACP to even say something like that? Because I, I for, haven't read the quote. I haven't talked to him about it, so I can't speak on it. For me. But, well, for, for me, when he said it, it was kind of disturbing because it's it's creating this narrative as though that's the reason why he wasn't supported because he was just younger when I don't think that's the case. I think it's the fact that you have a, a flimsy background as far as your qualifications. And I'm asking your opinion on that. That possibly could be the case. I didn't do any polling on the race, so I'm not sure. Um, I think that when we look at what does it take to get qualifications, I think our community really needs to go address that issue. Yeah, because we're not prepped for board service. Well, even even when we even when I had Desmian on, and you know your name came up as an example, and I said, well, the difference is Tyra studies. Tyra okay. knows her stuff. So, you know, if if it's not support there, then you know, maybe it's maybe it's some kind of personal thing, but you can't say that she's not qualified. Let's use so we Tyra as an the... example, though, T. So I'll give you an example. I ran for state representative. You did? I ran in a, a it was a, like a 30-day window. It was like a 29-day window. It was very short. People in my community didn't vote for me. I had changed my name to Sterling. And so many people were like, I didn't even realize that was you, Tyra. Mm -hmm. And so there are a couple reasons. Number one, I didn't have the financial backing to go and buy a bunch of signs that showed my face on it, right? Mm -hmm. So let's talk about money and politics and how certain candidates don't have the finances that others have. Let's talk about name recognition, right? So there, I mean, there could be a myriad of reasons. I even had people who said, you know what, I thought that the attorney was better, even though knowing how to write law and interpret law is not the same as creating policies, right? There's staff, there's parish attorneys mm -hmm. that are going to write what the law needs to look like, right? There are um, actual, like, offices in 
Congress and in the state house and state senate that are going to write the actual law out. What you need is people who understand public policy, the needs of community, and who know how to put that together, right? People who understand economics. And so when they're reading a piece of legislation, that they understand what the impact is going to be on their community, that's what you need. And so I think that there's oftentimes a myriad of issues. Um, and so I, I don't know, I would say it's difficult to speak on. I've just, I've been a part of campaigns mm -hmm. since I was a teenager. And so it's often difficult to speak on who wins streets. and how. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Ms. Banks, that's we're going to leave it. We're going to have to definitely do a part two. Have to definitely get you back on because I know that you are running. So we're going to leave it like that, okay? Man, we ain't get to talk about no other stuff. Well. We got to do a part two then, aren't we? Sounds like it. Well. Any that, excuse to get dressed, I mean. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Thank you all for tuning in. Remember, you either at the table or you're on the menu. See you next time.